might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Alright, here we are at another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. The boys have just finished their penultimate leg of the tour. They're not picking back up until I think El Paso on the 28th. We're talking about the Cleveland show last night, uh, and I'm talking with Zach Carpenter. What's up, Zach? How we doing? Doing good. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and tell us about the show. You just got home. Now, where do you live? I live in about the middle part of West Virginia. If anybody knows like where Morgantown, Clarksburg area is, I'm around there. So what was that drive like for you from Cleveland? Well, I uh, went to the Cincinnati show first, and mm-hmm. then I drove from Cincinnati up to Cleveland. It's about three, three and a half hours. Not too bad. Oh, that's not bad. No. Now, did you, did you, were you at the party, or were you at yeah. any, okay, you were there. I remember talking to you there. I was there. at the party, yeah. Did you go to the Nashville show, too? Yeah, I was at the Nashville show, yeah. So what all shows have you seen on this tour? Have you seen quite a few more, or was that the beginning of I've your trip? I've seen seven so far. Wow. I was at the Pittsburgh show, mm-hmm. State College, I did Philadelphia. In Buffalo, and then I just on this last leg did Nashville, Cincy, and Cleveland, and then I'm going to go out to the last three shows: Louisville, Indy, and Grand Rapids. All awesome. ten total. Wow, very cool. Now, are you one of the black ticket holders, or are you? I wasn't able to get one of those. Okay, you tried and couldn't. Yeah, I was. I was like two minutes too late, probably. Really? I was going to do that, and I was just a few minutes too late. Apparently, they were gone like that. So I don't have a lot of insight into the business decisions at all, really. But I wonder if maybe they are kind of kicking themselves for not selling more of those. Maybe. I'm not sure. I think they might they might have sold more, you know. So I know for the European one, of course, they're playing stadiums, so mm-hmm. you're going to have triple the people. I know they did a lot more for that one, but... It's true, because I guess it kind of pays for itself after about five or six shows, so maybe if yeah. enough people do it, it starts to not become a great deal for them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's why I wanted... Yeah, I think it is like four shows. You're basically caught up. Right. When they're about 150 or so, right around there a piece. Right. Don't take very long. Well, let's hear a little bit about, so you're obviously a, a diehard. You're going to end up seeing, you said a total of 10 shows on the arena tour. That's going to be the total after Texas. Yeah. And I'll have 18 total by the time I'm done. 18, holy shit. What was your first show? It was actually in Cleveland, uh, New Year's Day 2000. I was 12 years old. It was my first concert. Me and my brother went. Okay. Did they play the night before too? Did they did didn't they do a big New Year's? Uh not in Cleveland. I think they did Milwaukee that day before. But that that right. tour was awesome because that was one of the very few times two by four was played. Oh shit. Let me look the set list up. So Cleveland two thousand Metallica set list. This is the most riveting part of the uh the whole episode, by the way, is hearing me spell that out while I look this concert up. The Gund Arena. All right, so here we go. Gundarina, Die My Darling. That's what they open with. Amazing. Yeah. Fuel, Bells, Horseman, uh, Whiskey, 2x4, No Leaf Clover, Sad, Creep, Bleeding Me, The Masterterium mm-hmm. Mix, Blackened, Nothing Else Matters, King Nothing in the first encore, one, then encore two, Turn the Page and Sandman, encore three, Phantom Lord. Holy Phantom shit. Lord. 
Yeah. Whoa. You don't see yeah, a lot was, of Encore threes. The vibe must have been really happening. Yeah, it was. That was a real interesting little tour too. Even some of those later shows, I think Outlaw Torn got thrown into a show or two. I mean, they they on that little leg tour there, they threw some interesting stuff in there. Right. So the first time you're seeing them is 2000, day one of the yeah. year 2000. In the year 2000, and yeah. um, it must have been an interesting day. Remember, like maybe some people younger than us don't remember, but everyone thought the world was going to end on that day. <laughs> do you remember yeah. that? There was I this do. huge. Two, the year two Y2K scare where yep. everyone thought that the computers weren't going to read <laughs> the computer dude over my, my grandparents had a um what would I guess be equivalent to like a 50s type like bomb room mm-hmm. like they had a they had a Y2K room like a bomb shelter yes and it, it was filled with canned goods um it was filled with like bottled water canned goods because they really thought that shit was going to go apocalyptic on January 1st. I don't know if I really remember it that much since I was tw- like 12 at that time. Right. You don't remember like your parents or grandparents freaking out? No. I don't <laughs> not remember. Maybe maybe some friends or things like that maybe or mention it, but right. I, I don't remember it being like oh good god it's going to happen. It's kind of cool that We're you went all to gonna a, die. It's cool that you went to Metallica show on that day. It's like, well, if I'm going to yeah. go down, I'm going to go out with Metallica. Yeah. So, were you a fan? I mean, what was what was the impetus for you going to that show? I I'd say about the year before that, I became a fan. My brother basically mm-hmm. introduced me to it. He used to first album he bought was Reload. Nice, and he Love used it. to play it on loop all the time in the morning when he was getting ready for school. And I hated it when mm. I first heard. It, I hate actually couldn't. It drove me nuts because every day it was basically Fuel Memory Devil's Dance every day. <laughs> and for some reason, I just hated it. And I don't know where or when, but somewhere it something clicked over and next thing I knew I was stealing it from him when he wasn't home and like recording onto like a cassette tape. So I had my own ver so I had my own copy so he didn't know I had it. And I don't know when it happened, but how much older is he than you? Mm, three, four years. I wonder if maybe it had something to do with like, you know, you weren't choosing to hear it, it was kind of foisted on you. And so there's this like yeah, built in yeah. resentment because it's like you you didn't choose to hear it, so you automatically hate it. It may be. I, I never thought of it that way. It may have been that and then, like I said, somewhere along the way it went, and then once it switched over, it that was it. It switched over. I love that man. I love the. I love that that was your brother's jam, and I love that it was mm-hmm. Reload. It was the maybe the six thousandth play of those three songs of Reload, where you finally yeah. got excited. So then, I'm, the did you work backwards? Did you immediately get load? Tell me about the journey back to Kill 'Em All. First thing I bought, if I remember, probably wouldn't have been too long after that was the Black Album on cassette. Mm-hmm. was the first thing I got. And then I think Load came in between there somewhere. And I remember on my 12th birthday, probably a couple months before that New Year's Day show, I took all my birthday money and I gave it to my mom and I asked her to buy me the first four albums. Love it. And she actually went out herself and I'm sure she felt weird buying her 12-year-old, you know, all these albums, you know, Kill mm-hmm. Em All, Ride the mm-hmm. Lightning, but she did it. <laughs> She she knew there was something there apparently because she went out and bought them for me. That's awesome. And I still got those. They're a little rough now, but I still got those same CDs to this day. Oh, cool. So, yeah. what was it like for you being sort of primed with the Bob Rock saturated sound of the '90s? What was it like for you putting in Kill 'Em All for the first time? I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I was the most stoked on it. I think those yeah. took me a little bit longer. I think I mm-hmm. was a little bit more into the more Bob Rock produced real clear, crisp-sounding albums right. bef- over those. I think it took me a little while before I really 
started to appreciate Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning and things like that. Justice, yeah. right off the rip, I, I loved it just because yep. of how heavy and fast. Yeah, I think for all of us hearing Blacken yeah. was, I don't think anyone heard Blacken was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, I mean, that that album was kind of the uh, the exception of those yeah. first four. Because it's still kind of that thrash. It's still, it's still, yeah. I still lump it in, you know, to the first four. That There's a, the kind of marker in the sand is definitely in between Justice and Black album for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of our, you know, a lot of fans that have a hard time with the 90s stuff, like we've heard mm-hmm. that story that forever. And I yeah. think I think the new story, as like our, us 90s kids are becoming adults and starting to have a, a lot of conversations about Metallica, they're finding that it's flipped, you know? It's like for us, it's like the first thing I heard was Inner Sandman. So for me to go back and hear yeah. Metal Militia was like kind of tough for me too, you know? Yeah. Like getting used to them being 19 years old and making a record in a garage somewhere. It's weird when you think about that way. You think about the old school people that had a hard time accepting where they went in the 90s. But then you got to think there's a whole other generation that discovered them in the 90s that may have had a little bit of trouble soaking in what they did before because they were so into. Absolutely. And I've I've even talked to people who came online with St. Anger and they don't see what the big deal is with that. So so they're kind of re-engineering a different conversation where they're like, everyone needs to calm down about St. Anger. It's fine because that's what they first heard. So, yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean, and that's I guess that's what you're going to get with a band that's almost 40 years old is you're going to get a whole bunch of different perspectives. Yeah, so it's kind of like where you came in is where you're going to maybe hold on to the yeah, longest. I think so. I and I think that's true for even other kinds of music. Were you listening yeah. to other were you listening to other metal? Were you listening to Pantera or No, that was at that time that was kind of I think a little bit of Nirvana and the grunge stuff, but other mm-hmm. than that that was kind of what kind of opened the door. And okay. then from there it kind of expanded out to probably at the time what was the most popular at that time it's probably what i was going into first and maybe then, like limp biscuit or, or link lincoln park and stuff yeah it was probably that first you know you're 12 years old so you're still mm-hmm. going to go with what everybody around you a lot of times is before you kind of develop your own kind of identity so obviously after that show in 2000 you were you were hooked what was i'm curious what was your second show actually it was four years later in okay. cleveland i've been to every show they've done in cleveland since that day Gotcha. It was one thing, it's one thing I always said, no matter what happens, I'm always going to be at every show in Cleveland because that's where it started. So you have this connection to Cleveland, just the city itself. Yeah. Just, just, from, cool. just from that. I mean, it's been pretty easy. I think overall they've been they've played there, including the Hall of Fame, um, five times in 19 years. So, it's, you know, it's kind of easy to do that. But was this have been September 21st, 2004? So here's the set list for that. Black and open with black and holy shit. Fuel, mm-hmm. memory remains. So you must have been getting flashbacks of your brother getting ready for school. Uh, <laughs> Actually, sent- he was with he was with me at those first two shows too. Did you did you look at him like you motherfucker? This is exactly yeah, what it was like getting know. ready for school. Yep. Uh, sanitarium, frantic, holier than thou, no leaf clover, Saint anger, Sabbath true, creeping death, battery, encore one is I disappear. Nothing else matters. Puppets one, Sandman, encore two, jump in the fire. Wow, and seek and destroy. Yeah. The, I'm telling you, man, the Madly in Anger with the World Tour was a killer tour for some It was crazy. And I wish, you know, those times of those tours always happen at the, like, nowadays. That Now that's why I took advantage of them. I was like, I'm doing as many shows as I possibly can because yeah. I missed out on a lot of those in the past. Right, you know, when right. I was 2004, I was in high school, and then Def Magnetic, I was in college. So you, I couldn't really afford to go crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see them at all in any of those eras. Yeah, so, that, I, I, so that's why this on this tour I was like, nope, that's it. I'm I'm hitting as many as I can no matter what. Did you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction? Yeah. That show. So tell, tell walk us through that just a little bit. 
Let's see. Um, I won it through a contest through the fan club. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of open to the public, right? It was in there. In the was it at Gund Arena? No, it was at the um, like an assembly hall okay. there in Cleveland. It was like a smaller like theater, like a really old building. How many people do you think were there? A couple thousand. Up top, I'd probably say maybe three, four thousand. Yeah. And is that where like the fans were? Because in the bottom is like yeah. friends and family of the band. Yeah, it was all the people in the suits and all that. Yeah, it was. Uh, fans, I mean, I know a lot of them were the Hall of Fame. It seemed like there wasn't very many tickets sold just through, like, normal Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. had to kind of win them some way. Right. I know a lot of people that were, like, Hall of Fame members and stuff got tickets, and I know they gave a good bit of them to the, you know, Metallica, and they gave them out, you know, you win the contest and go through the fan club and all that. It was it was amazing. Yeah, what a historic to show there. to have been at, dude. Yeah, it was The amazing. vibe must have been so cool in there. It was. Because they're getting this honor, whether wherever, whatever you feel about it, it's cool that your boys are getting it. And, yeah. You know, to, and that was a big night for them, and you were kind of sharing it with them. It's so, so yeah. rad. It was really cool. Have you ever won a meet and greet or met the band or anything? No. Okay, I have yeah. not. Have, do, you, do you, like, apply, like, whatever you, you do, yeah, you apply always, for it, but you, like, what do you put in for the lottery or something? Yeah, I always put in. I've, I've never won that. The only thing I've really won through it is that is the Hall of Fame, which I'm not going to complain. I mean, yeah. if you're going to win something. Next to maybe meeting them, it'd be to be there when they're getting enshrined. Right, right, totally. So if you had to pin, if you had to pin it down, and I know it's hard to, and I know that this stuff changes all the time, but mm-hmm. what's your what's your favorite record? What's your favorite record currently? Currently? Yeah. Like, what are you most excited about? What do you put in your car? Hardwired. Yeah. So you're on right the hard, you're on, you're on the hardwired train. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know a couple more years once it's kind of more embedded into my brain and kind of just falls back into the catalog or thing, it may change, but I'd say still hardwired. Hardwired is so killer, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, we're just so, I've said this a lot of times, uh, This it's dawning on me again, once again, once more, but we're so lucky that this far into the game, they're still making a record that good. Yeah. I really Absolutely. hope they make another one soon. What What about maybe your top three or four songs, the Metallica songs for you? Of all? I'll yeah, of all time. Like your whole, yeah, like your whole Metallica journey. What are the, like, oh, the, good what are the ones that rise to the top immediately? Fight, fire, fire. Okay, cool. Nice. Don't hear that a lot. Yeah, that's one that I've been dying to hear live too. I've never seen it yet. Me neither. Um, let's see, Fire, Fire, Fire. Where did Raleigh. they get that recently? Did they get that in Cincy? Raleigh. Oh no, though you would. Yeah, seen I it. missed yeah. it by one show. Okay, yeah. Even though you couldn't see the Death Magnetic tour while you were in college, was that a record that you liked? No, did I did. You... I did see the Death Magnetic. I saw oh, it twice. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw them in Columbus and in Cleveland again. Right. You said you've seen every Cleveland show. So you were saying earlier that. You didn't see as many shows as you would have liked to. Yes. In the in the Saint Anger era and the Death Magnetic era. Yeah. Let me look up the old Cleveland show from. Let's see. Would that have been two thousand nine? That's that's a treat one if you look at that one. Two thousand nine. Metallica. That's probably the best set list I've I've ever seen. Okay. Well, you've you've titillated me, and I'm sure all of our listeners as well. Let's pull it up here. It's the best one I've seen personally. The Quick and Loans Arena. Okay. Same building, they just changed. Oh, gotcha. They, yeah, those arenas change their fucking horrible yeah. names all the time, depending on what corporation buys them. Okay, uh, that was just your life, the end of the line. Harvester, shortest draw, faded black, broken, beaten, scarred, cyanide, sad. One Judas Kiss, which was the debut of Judas Kiss in the states. Mm-hmm. Day that never comes, puppets, Dyer's Eve. Holy shit! Yeah. Nothing else matters. Sandman, encore, last caress, hit the lights and seek. Wow. Yeah. So you got. There. Yeah, you. Well, first of all. All this death magnetic stuff is retired. So the fact you got broken, beaten, scarred is amazing. You got short yeah. straw, 
the the U.S. debut of Judas Kiss, Day That Never Comes, and and obviously the crown jewel of this set would be Dire Eve. Eve. Yeah, man, wow, very just as heavy, very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Besides, I mean, I mean, they went very just as heavy on that show. That's why I said that's probably the seeing shortest draw and Dyer's even Judas Kiss in one show. That that kind of put it up to a top for me there. It's interesting to see them go from Harvester into Shortest Straw back to back, like two Justice Nuggets right back to back. Yeah. It's interesting. All right, cool. So that's bringing us up to date a little bit. So you're a big fan of that stuff. You're a big fan of Hardwired. You must have enjoyed a little bit of that Dyer's Eve doodle in Nashville. Yes. I thought that was kind Absolutely. of exciting. That was like a moment where we were all like, hey, this is pretty cool. This is pretty mm-hmm. different. Because, you know, and we're going to get into this when we get into the set list in a second. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but... If you've gone to more than a couple of shows, you, we all understand that they're, it's mostly a static set list. we got some rotating slots. And that's kind of what the, us nerds are looking for, that fourth slot. Sometimes they put the reload slot up in the fourth slot. And they, they move them around a little bit. But Yeah. So let me see if I have this set list up. Oh, I do. I do have it up. So get us through the day. So do you, did you have any kind of um, enhanced experience? Or what, what was it like going from Cincy to Cleveland? Um, not much went on. I mean, I drove up, you know, since drove up there, just kind of hung out that day. The next day went to the Hall of Fame. Okay, cool. Now, usually when I go back to Cleveland, I always try to to spend a couple hours in the Hall of Fame, got some food and basically just got in line and waited to go. I saw that Lars and I think Rob went and spent like five hours at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So are you rocking this solo, or do you got some buds? You, I got you, Bud going with. I have, okay, he's doing six of the shows with me. I've had okay. different I had different people for the first four, but he's going to do these last six with me. Was he with you at the at the uh, party in Nashville? Yeah, he was. Okay, there. cool. I'm sure I met him. Um, if it's after I ate the burrito, I may not remember. But no, if I it's think it was before. It was pretty burrito. Earlier on, it was pre burrito. <laughs> Did you have a good time at the party? Absolutely, that was a blast. Yeah, that was a good time, man. It's it was hard to like spend as much time with everyone as we wanted to, but that was such a fun family vibe. Yeah, I wanted to come up and kind of just BS with you a little bit more, but you guys just looked like you were extremely busy and trying to get things going and making sure everything's going right. So I didn't. Yeah, I just kind of tried. Set stood out of the way and enjoyed uh, myself. I appreciate that. Yeah, we we felt like really responsible for making sure that everything you know was working yeah. smoothly. And I figured you uh, guys had a lot of stuff going on. I'm like, oh. well, by the way, thank you for well, first of all, thank you for being cool about that, and thank you for uh, being a patron. Thanks for coming to the party. Oh, absolutely, it's so, it's I love so the cool. Show. It's getting to a point now where like we've we've we're starting, to, especially with the Metal Tales thing opening up, where we're able to actually talk to talk to you guys. Yeah. Like, have you guys on hear about you hear about your brother blasting reloading your fucking face and making you a Metallica fan? So what about other um, other Metallica nerds that are going to these shows? Have you like oh I saw that guy last night in Nashville? Oh that guy's in Cincy. Have you made any kinds of connections like that? There's a few. There's um, I can't remember her name. She did I think she, I don't know if it was with you or Ethan. She did the Austin City Limits one. That would be Nicole. Is she the one from Buffalo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I met her at State College. Okay, cool. And then saw her again, talked to her for a few minutes again at, at the party. Mm-hmm. So there's been a few people here and there that I've... And she, I recognized her because she was wearing a metal podcast shirt. Right. And that's cool. how we kind of got in conversation with each other for a little bit. And we stood there pretty much the whole show. At the State, State College, College show? Yeah. You guys were in JA together, I'm guessing? Yeah. There's just been some people that you go like, oh, I remember you from, you know... Yeah, Buffalo or you know wherever you were, and just some people you kind of run back into. It's like if you have kids, it's like your kids' friends. You don't know mm-hmm. their parents' names really. You just know, yeah. uh, the, the, oh, you're Ember's mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like 
Do you, do you have any kids? No, no. Okay, do if you don't have kids, another another way of uh, thinking about that is like at the dog park when you may, like if you have a dog, you never oh, learn okay. the the other dog owners' names. You just know the dog's name. You just know the dog's name. Yeah, but you know them. You know, you know their face, and you know that yeah. they own that dog. But you just and 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 by the way, they've told you their name. It just for and whatever reason, it just doesn't stick in there, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's immediately gone. You'll yeah. remember the dog forever. You don't know their name. Absolutely. So speaking yeah. of that, okay. So when you go get in line, so you're in the. You're in the, just the normal GA line, is that yeah, right? Yeah, I just did normal. Uh, if if I wouldn't done 10 shows, I would have probably, if I would did less, I would have started doing more whiplash and, you know, you know the experiences. Mm-hmm. But since I just, um, I was doing all these and paying for them all out of my own, I just decided just going to do it normal, mm-hmm. get there early, and just do the best I can. And you just wanted to be in the room with the dudes. so Basically. So are you the kind of guy that tries to, that tries to shoulder up to the rail, or are you kind of hanging back? What's your vibe? I usually hang back. I don't do rail for every show either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did it for, I mean, floor, not rail, sorry. Mm-hmm. Floor for every show. I did it for State College and one or two others. But I don't, I, I normally, I have, I just like to, I'm not going to lie, I like to sit down, not during the show, of course, not during the right. show. Right. But just have a place to go and stand up and fucking let loose. It is kind of one of the more daunting parts of when you've decided to try for rail or if you're on GA. Yeah. Because you have to get there early and stuff. I remember feeling this way when I saw them in, at, um, in St. Louis with the stadium. I remember mm-hmm. being, I remember feeling like, I'm going to be standing here for seven fucking hours. Yeah, that's another thing that I'm kind of like... <sighs> oh, it gets harder. I did the one in Philly. I had front row seats, and, yeah. it, was, and it was right at the end where one of the stage, where the stage comes out. Perfect. And I was maybe four people from the stage still. Wow. So, I mean, even, even by doing that, you know, I've, I've gotten, I haven't had a bad seat. Was that just luck of the draw or was that, did you pay luck extra for that? Yeah, wow. I did. No, I did that through the pre-sales, the Met Club oh. pre-sales. I just got luck of the draw. Nice. Okay. So for the Cleveland show, where were you? What was your vibe there? Um, I was a little, I was a few rows back. I was a little to the left of the stage. Mm-hmm. You were actually in seats or were you on the floor? I was in seats in that one. Okay, cool. Yeah. With your bud. What's your bud's name? Uh, Mike. Mike. Okay, yeah. cool. So you've seen at this point, you've seen a handful of shows. You've mm-hmm. just seen Cincinnati the night, two nights before. And uh, what's your vibe on Brewer? Are you? I know that for me, after t- seeing it two or three times, I kind of a little glossed over, a little glazed yeah. over during his thing because I kind of, I, I, you know, what I'm kind of more excited about is like watching people see him for the first time. Yeah. I know that the joke's coming about them being old and getting on the plane with Ozzy. The plane, yeah, which is a pretty yeah. good bit, but it's, you yeah. know, when you kind of know how it turns out, it's hard yeah. to like really engage with it, you know. I always, no matter which every show, the beginning part when he's kind of doing the crowd work, mm-hmm. I, it always goes. But then once he kind of goes to the story, then it kind of goes. What you go, okay, now I can just kind of watch how everybody else reacts to these these jokes and these stories, right? You know, but when he's kind of working off people, mega, you know, mega fun of people for dressing up nice for a show saying the wife <laughs> dressed um or right. you know does your wife even know you're here so those are always good but that is pretty good because he always those are always kind of he's rolling with whatever's happening with him on those he's pretty good at that i gotta say yeah, yeah he, he you know you can tell when he gets off the script a little bit and he's just riffing that's that's kind of the most exciting part for me yeah me too did he do? It, it seems like he's pretty much stopped doing the trivia stuff. Did he? He didn't bring anyone up and do yeah. any trivia. No, he's changed it over to. I don't know if he did it. I can't even remember if he did it in Nashville. I think he did. They do the thing where they play the medley, 
and you got to figure out how many of the songs in the medley are from Injustice for All. You know what? I think the last time I saw him do it was Little Rock. I don't okay. think he did do it in Nashville. I didn't remember. I didn't think he did either. I know he did it in Cincy and Cleveland. Yeah, that's been kind of the thing. I think he switched over is just and no one wins, right? Like the whole arena kind of plays, and he's like, "How many of you got it?" Like, yeah, right? yeah. It's just a thing to kind of kill five minutes. It kills five minutes, and there's way less pressure, and like no one has to win or not win anything. Yeah, I, I can definitely see why he might make that change. Yeah, maybe they weren't the happiest with him bringing back random people right before they're going to go on stage or something too. Who right. knows? Right. They <laughs> they probably uh, I didn't even think yeah, they're about back there like, stretching, getting ready to go out. Like, right. Hey, hey what's going on? Like, hey, please don't do that anymore, Jim. Yeah. So, what was the were compare? Let's compare some Ohio crowds here. What was the crowd like between Cincinnati and Cleveland? Overall, I'd say the crowd in Cincy was a little better. Hmm. Cincy and, was and, loud. You mean like they were just more enthusiastic? Just yeah, more enthusiastic. I mean, Cleveland hmm. was very enthusiastic too. Right. Right. I'd just say overall, if I'm going to actually be honestly compare them, I'd say Cincy had a little bit. Maybe it's because it was so cold. They were just happy to be somewhere that day. Was it colder in Cincy than Cleveland? Yeah. It was like three degrees then. And even yeah. in Cleveland, it was like 20. So it felt like a year, it was July all of a sudden. And it was yeah. like 20 degrees out. That night in Cincinnati got just real yeah. fucked up cold. Yeah, it was, it was about three, not counting the wind chill. So it was negative. Who the hell knows? Actually, but yeah. I wonder, too, if that has something to do with I haven't checked the stats, but... Maybe they go to Cleveland more than Cincinnati. Maybe it had been a longer time since they had been I'm there. Not, not that I'm – when I've looked, I don't – I think pretty much any tour where they do Cleveland since he's there too. Yeah, I know they did him in 09 and 04. Now, before okay. that, I, I don't know. But Right. Well, okay. Well, interesting. So we're working into like the XC of Gold and the Hardwire mm-hmm. tape. Um, do you still have, like, were you able to see the barricades where the boys come in and kind of get near their positions? It's just on the opposite side of it. Okay, cool. So since you can since see, you, I could see it. Okay, and you can see you can see people kind of freaking out too. So even if you don't, if you, if you don't have like a vantage yeah, point, you know when they're walking in right. or running in, not walking. Did they? I actually haven't never seen it. Did they like kind of jog in? Um, Kirk, I think normally does, and Rob normally does. That I've noticed, James and Lars kind of just kind of stroll out. That I've no, that I've seen. I know yeah. Kirk kind of runs to his spot quick. And Rob kind of does too, and but James and Lars seem to kind of take a little bit more time to get to it. I mean, if I had written the song "Creeping Death," I'd probably swagger slowly, strut and swagger even through the grocery store. And it may depend on the show. If they're if they got out there early enough, or if they're running behind, they may all run out there. Or they may all walk. But but yeah. I've noticed the first two normally are running or jogging out there. So what are you thinking? So you've already seen the kind of the the, the triple the triple punch of Hardwired mm-hmm. and Atlas and the Seek. Are you thinking, you know, I love this record. I've already seen it four or five times. I'm just so stoked that they're about to be up on stage. That's it. I'm so stoked about being on stage. Are you looking for things maybe in the cubes or parts of the production? that Are you looking for new things to see? Yeah, kind of. I mean, with those three, it seems to be pretty the same thing every time. You know, hardwired. Mm-hmm. It kind of just keeps doing kind of the artwork, glitchy, the faces type thing. Then mm-hmm. Atlas, you know, it turns into the TVs. Yeah, so cool. You know, where it's, it's you know, like watching them on a TV. It's like TVs and radios and stuff. And it's what's cool is like the backs of the cubes look like the backs of a TV. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then, <laughs> you cool. know, and then in Seek, yeah, in Seek it turns in, it's when they actually start dropping on people, kind of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like old footage from like 
looked like like 83 footage or something like old school footage and like old newspaper type things. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, real cool. And you mentioned that something you mentioned something that happened during C. Oh, I don't now this is something I've I noticed a few shows ago. I don't know if they, when they get into the the solo, I've noticed that James plays part of the solo in Seek now. Oh, I didn't notice. The I noticed that before the solo or before that kind of solo riff, uh-huh. he kind of introduces Lars. This is my friend Lars. And I guess Lars has kind of a little drum thing, but I did not know that. So James, he's playing it like in unison with Kirk, or he's doing it just no, himself. No, it's kind of like Kirk plays the beginning part, and then it jumps to James for a minute. And he kind of, kind of tweak, uh, plays a little solo part, and then it jumps back to Kirk before he goes into the ripping part. Hmm, cool. Down the front. Yeah, never noticed that. Now they may have been doing that for a while, but I noticed that maybe in Nashville. I was like, oh shit, James is actually playing part of the solo. Wow, very cool. I love that him and Kirk both start it. You know, they both yeah. do that riff. I'll have to pay attention to that next time. Yeah. And I may be wrong. Not a, hopefully, everybody don't write in and say you're an idiot. They've been doing that since '98. I'll definitely forward all the hate mail to you. I'll, I'll take I'll, it. I'll send it right I obviously, to you. I'd obviously missed it somehow before. <laughs> all right, so we got the r- rotating slot, and I so we got Rome, which I know on mm-hmm. paper maybe seems a little a little boring, Still maybe. Alive. But dude, we so we recorded our episode for next week last night with our friend Paul, mm-hmm. and we did the Black album. And yeah. um, one of the things that I and I, I guess I spoke too soon is I was like, you know what? We're we were listening to Rome, and I was like, I'm kind of bummed that Rome's not in the slot anymore. And sure enough, while we were there probably recording that, there it was. I mean, that song is so fucking killer, dude. And it's, it's a awesome. great song to hear live and share with everybody around you. Yeah, and especially since it's become kind of a not as a uh, staple, at least on this tour. Right. You know, in the arenas, tour. they were playing it all. The, I mean, in the stadiums, they were playing it every show. Mm-hmm. This one, it's just been thrown in every once in a while. It's kind you know? of a treat. I mean, honestly, yeah. it really is. It's not a. It's not a deep cut. It was a big hit, but it's and, not. Yeah, and going Messiah, into but... this tour, you may not even thought that if you saw the stadium shows, you may be right. like, "Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with New Rome." But then, you know, you do a couple shows, and then all of a sudden, you, that tape kicks in. You're like, oh shit! Forgot about Rome. And you get you get excited again. Absolutely. So I'm guessing they all went off stage after Seek, and then you hear the tape, the sitar yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, and you kind of get a one-two punch of Black Album because then they do the Unforgiven, right? Yeah. They do the Unforgiven. Did James album. make it to his spot in time? Yes. Ever since then, every show since then, I'm pre- I don't know about Raleigh, but I know Cincy and Cleveland, he made it there each time. So I just saw on the forums that I guess mm-hmm. in Little Rock where he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. What had happened was his in-ear monitors weren't working. So when he went off the stage for the Unforgiven tape, he switched out his his ears. Oh, which can be kind of it can be kind of time consuming because they go down the back of your shirt, and then I mm-hmm. think even at that level they're taping the wire so it's not just loose back there. Yeah. So first of all, he's frustrated that his ears aren't working. Second of all, he's like, you know, they're on the they're on. He's got a yeah, small window of time on, to get out on. there. So anyway, I was like, "Holy shit!" Just the things I didn't know. So how is Unforgiven? Great. It's always. I mean, Unforgiven is always good to hear. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. even though, even though you know, they maybe then this. I think they played it in the fifth slot every show this leg, maybe, maybe but one or something. It's kind of gone from being a yeah. It's gone from being yeah. um, one of the rotating songs to it's kind of a it's a staple. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to keep that for the rest of the tour. If they just decided to do it on this leg, but yeah, this leg here, they just. Said, man, it works. Let's keep it. I mean, you know, I'm sure they're constantly having conversations about what's working, what's not working, what's yeah. interesting, and I'm sure maybe decisions made like, dude, why are we not playing the Unforgiven every night? Yeah, it's one of our biggest songs, 
and they and they probably do. They probably just like man, the fans go they go crazy for this. Let's just do it. And I saw it. I, I mean, you, I know you have too, but I saw it three shows in a row. When yeah, any blackout, any black album song they play is mm-hmm. a, probably some of the biggest reactions of the night. Absolutely. And even though if you saw it three days in a row, you were probably still singing it on the third show, though. Loved it. I mean, yep. literally singing it until my voice was completely yeah. hoarse. And on and on that one on the cubes, they were doing the thing where the people were trapped. Love it. Yeah. I know they were doing that a lot for sanitarium and stuff, and mm-hmm. I know other show. I know. The show before they used it for sanitarium and did that kind of city skyscrape, not skyscrape, but I don't know, weird city image thing they did for Unforgiven. Right. Yeah, so they changed it for that sh- for Cleveland. That's interesting. I wonder how those decisions get made too. I yeah, that's what I was wondering. It was it was different. I figured they just used the same like skyscrape type thing or. I guess if they're traveling with like you know someone a production manager or someone who's in charge of those production elements, they might be this you know if the buses are rolling and they've got a day off, they might be kind of tweaking and trying yeah, to make it true. better. And they get maybe they get a new idea. Hey, maybe we should change that the city thing to more of the sanitarium thing. And yeah. who knows if they even run it by Lars? Maybe Lars has said, "Look, we trust you. We love you. Do whatever you want. Yeah, do what you want." Okay. Um, how did Kirk do on the Unforgiven solo? I think he's been kicking Great. ass at that. Yeah, he's- He's been nailing it now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I didn't see any problem or hear any problem with it. Okay, and then the now that we're dead. So as a load-reload guy, you know, this is kind of the one song I think that sounds the most like those records. Yeah. And I've kind of... I'm so, like, locked into this drum thing that they do, which is pretty fun, and the, and the arenas seem to be... Uh, the arenas, they seem to have it dialed in a little more. But Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they've, they've, they've shortened it down. Definitely shorten and they transition in and out of it better, yeah. but I've kind of just missed the song. Like I, I kind of, I hope that we don't lose it after this world wired cycle. And then we know, yeah. because it'd be cool to just to see them play it like a normal damn song. Yeah. Be cool. Like they did as at Austin C limits. They were doing it like that, weren't they? Oh, good point. They didn't do the drums for that. I don't, I don't. Nicole, Nicole is so mad at you right now, dude, for not, she may be for some reason. I remember watching those streams of that show. I want to say, well, I'm about to do my homework while we move on. Then, did you ever see? Um, did you ever see that performance they did? I think it was on Craig Ferguson or something. Or it was on one of those Tonight shows where they did like a truncated version of Now That We're Dead. Did you ever see that? Yeah, they did like the radio, like yeah. a radio edited I version. Thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I can't. Re- God damn, I can't remember what that was either. We we're fired. Was it Colbert? You know yeah, Colbert. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Even though, honestly, I still don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sounds good. We're fired from being fans. That's fine. Yeah, on uh, on here, yeah, it doesn't say anything about an extended set, index, an extended drum part at Austin City Limits. Okay, so maybe, cool. it, yeah, I think they they kind of just played it more straight ahead. Well, we've just stopped. I don't know, maybe fifteen thousand emails from being sent. So that's maybe. good. That's good. We're doing the Lord's work now. Whether or not it was Colbert, who knows? Yeah, the, the emails could still be rolling in. They're still they're still typing as we <laughs> yeah as we count. now they so, just had to put backspace and start a whole new topic line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just took out Austin City and Colbert. It wasn't Colbert. These guys. Um, all right, moving on into Creep. I mean, who's going to be bummed about that tune? Nobody that I could. I mean, if you are, you, you shouldn't be there. I mean, Creep's just killer anytime. I feel bad for the people who don't get it, who may be, only, be able to only see one show, because being able to do that die bridge feels like mm-hmm. such a rite of passage yeah. in the Metallica family. Absolutely, and that's for me a good moment—a good moment to look at the security guards because they, if they don't know what's coming for that, they must think that we are all totally insane. Yeah, 
Oh God, what the hell did they just do? They incited a riot on us. And I do like the I do like the lightning kind of one two punch into bells. Yeah. Did Robin Kirk do the thing where they run around the stage or sometimes yes, they don't they, do that? They did the run not actually off the stage for this show. They stayed on the stage, but they, ch- okay. they did the chase, but they yeah. stayed on stage for the chase. I'm sure you've seen that footage of Kirk falling uh, during that. You ever yes, seen that? That was great. There was even one part where, you know, when Rob's doing his hay part and he kind of does like a variation of his crab walk kind of over to his, his wall pedal right before he just do it. Um, when James came up to do his part, James was kind of imitating him, kind of acting like he was doing like a weird crab walk for a couple steps to get over to his mic. I love the idea of a variation of the crab walk. I'm imagining like a keynote type address by a Steve Jobs type figure at a big tech industry meeting, and he's got the little PowerPoint thing, and he's demonstrating the various the evolution of the crab walk. The evolution of the crab from walk. all the way from yeah. like yeah from two million, primordial soup two million years ago. Yeah. Um, so into Halo on Fire, which oh. I saw I saw someone say on the forums, and I had to agree with them, even though it was someone I don't really agree with very much on there mm-hmm. that. Halo and Fire should be played at every show. It's the World Wired Tour. The song is so great. And I, we got to see it in Nashville. You know what I mean? I, I could agree with that. It's And they killed it. They, um, yeah, absolutely. Mike, Mike, the, my buddy who was with me, after that, he looked over and he goes, man, that was, he goes, I don't think they could have played that any better. Is what, he, is what he looked over and told me. And I was like, I think you're right. And they killed it. I I agree. I mean, it's like one of the highlights of the whole record. I mean, yeah. it, it, it to me it's as good as Moth, so I kind of feel like they should always play it. Uh are you one of these dudes who likes to try to anticipate what the doodles might be? I usually try to think of it. I'm always wrong. Okay. I, mean, I would have ne- I would have never thought Loletta Lynn for Nashville. Yeah, they dig pretty deep. We were thinking Johnny Cash. Yeah, that's what we were thinking too. What what Johnny Cash song are they going to do? Or well, so it looks. I don't even know what these are. So it says uh, the the, the doodles included Funk Forty Nine and My um, Town. Funk. And I don't. I don't know what My Town is unless it's from the same band. Funk Forty Nine was the James Gang. Joe oh, Walsh of the Eagles. Gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess they originally before Joe Walsh joined the band, they formed in Cleveland. The other two members. Gotcha. And, and then Joe Walsh kind of joined later, but they the the band officially formed in Cleveland. Well, what's that college um, that Neil Young sings about in the song Ohio, where the shootings were? What's that oh. famous college? I think Joe Walsh went to that college. Damn it! What's that fucking college called? Oh, I Jesus. cannot think. I'm literally going to Google this: famous Ohio college where people were shot, and then I'm also going to type in Neil Young. And I bet it'll come up. Kent State. God damn. Kent State. So, yeah, I know that, uh, I don't know if that's near Cleveland. Is that in Cleveland? Kent State shooting? Mm, I don't think it's in Cleveland, no. Kent, it's in Kent, Ohio. Yeah, Joe Walsh isn't even from Ohio. He wasn't even born in Ohio. He's from like Arkansas or something like that in the Midwest. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it's a, joined... James, it's a James Gaines song before he was in the band? No, he was in, he played in Funk 49, but... I guess since the other two members of that band, there was another guy in the James gang before okay. Joe Walsh. Gotcha. gotcha. And then somewhere along the way, probably on the road or something, they probably met Joe Walsh, and then he ended up joining in with them. I can't highly recommend enough. I don't like Mark Maron's podcast that much, but mm-hmm. the Joe Walsh interview that he did a few months ago is so great. They talk all about James gang. They talk all about the Eagles. And Joe Walsh is such a out. fun. he's such a funny, interesting guy, even yeah. if he's not a big Eagles cat. 
Did people use the doodle time for PP break, or do, do people seem generally kind of interested? What was the vibe during the doodles? Um, during Funk Forty Nine, I don't think anybody really did. Now during my town, which I, I don't even know that maybe they're a James Gang song or something, or completely different. They didn't really specify. Okay. I I didn't recognize it. I started noticing a few more people starting to go to the bathroom at that point. So I think a lot of people were. There's a Montgomery Gentry song called My Town. Surely that's not it. I don't think so. All right, so if you've seen as many shows as you've seen on the next kind of, it's kind of like the Kill em All slot, you've probably seen all the rotating songs, right? You guys got Hit the Lights. Have you seen that one yet on the North American Arena Tour? Yes, I've seen Hit the Lights a couple times. Yeah, I saw that in State College. Yeah, that's a treat for me. Even if I've seen it a few times, I just love that song. Oh, it's still a good song. Absolutely. It's where it all began, and it's, you know, it's the first Metallica song. Absolutely. I almost wonder if that should be a staple, too. I mean, for a long time, it was being played. I mean, a couple of years ago, I mean, they were opening a lot of shows with it. Oh, really? Stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. And then we got the the reload slot, as I'm calling it. It's not the load reload slot. It's just the two reload songs. Yeah. And every once in a while, Creep. Yeah, true. If you had to choose between Fuel or Memory Remains, what's the more fun one to see live for you? For me, memory, just because of the sing-along at the end. Right. When everybody kind of, you know, kind of lets the whole room become one. Yeah, it's when everyone in the world holds hands. All war yes. evaporates into an illusion. There's no more hunger. It's the metal version of We Are the World. People exactly. just don't know it yet. Michael Jackson comes down from heaven. Um, <laughs> Gandhi gives everyone, puts a flower in every yes. gun. Of course, all those things happen. All right, then we got the the, the four shot that I'm calling it, the Moth mm-hmm. Sad One Puppets which to me is the most powerful four-song blast yes. uh, in the history of live music. Absolutely. And what's cool about it is, like, you've got the... Obviously, you've got Moth, you've got the representation of the new stuff, you've got Sad, which is Black Album, holding it strong for Black Album. Mm-hmm. One, one of their most beloved songs, and then all the way down to Puppets, which might, pound for pound, be the best Metallica song. It's a really, it's a really cool 20 minutes of music, you know? Yes, absolutely. What do you think about the drones? It's more fun kind of seeing the people around you that haven't, you know, it's their first show mm-hmm. at this point because they're like, holy shit, what is happening? Right. You know, watching people kind of lose their minds about, you know, the drones flying out of the stage. You know, it's really fun, you know, enjoying the song yourself. But like if you know that there's somebody sitting next to you or something or they raise their hand when Brewer asks if this is your first show, kind of glancing over at them and seeing them, watching them have their jaws kind of dropped. Like, what like oh, hell? shit. Yeah, what is this? This is amazing. You love them drones. Yep. Well, I got to say, even after seeing it two night, two shows in a row the, the, in Nashville, I was still like, wow. Yeah, they're still amazing. It's yeah. like magic. <laughs> they may be looking over at me, and I'm just staring at them, and my jaw just dropped. I'm thinking about them playing this, like, four blast, this super powerful part, and then I'm also thinking about this being the last show for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Did the boys seem, was there any type of, um, uh, did they look like they were ready to maybe take a break or anything like that? I mean, they didn't play like it. I mean, they, they played great. And I was going, I was trying to think, like, maybe if they, you know, James didn't talk as much as normal, you know, trying mm-hmm. to kind of like, but I didn't really see that either. Like, before Sad, you know, when he's acknowledging, you know, the older people and, the, you know, talking to the kid in the crowd. Right. You know, he, I mean, he's, they were still taking their time. I don't mean, I, I didn't get any feeling that, you know, they're trying to kind of like, all right, let's get through this so we can get back home or anything like that. Yeah. I think that's the way why they structure the tours the way they do because I don't think they ever reach that point where they're like Jesus Christ I just need to get home I think yeah 
they do five or six shows in a row with a day off in between. So they, I think that enables them to sort of give a fresh show to everybody. Yeah. Whereas Absolutely. if you're on if you're on week six of a seven week run, you're really you're ready to split. For yeah, sure. and you haven't been home in three months or something. Right. Yeah, and you're probably just like, all right, let's just do what we got to do, get out here. Totally. So in the encore slot, were you doing the math on what it might be, whether it's black and battery fight fire? Were you holding out for fire? I was holding out for fire. Yeah. I was hoping, but I in the back of my head, I had this feeling it was going to be battery. I yeah. just had this feeling it was going to be battery, which I'm not going to complain. Battery is still fucking killer. Absolutely. I'll take battery every show if I could still, but yeah, inside I was crushed that I didn't hear the fight fire intro instead. But well, you got what three more, three more, two more, or three more, three shots? more, three more shots. There doesn't seem to be a um, a rhyme or reason either to how they're doing the thrash slot. No, no. In terms of like, in terms of they do them in these four songs order and then they reset. They kind of they kind of surprise you still. Yeah, and the one thing I've noticed on this tour. When they play the cities they haven't been to since, like, the Black Album, you know, like yeah. the Birmingham and the Raleigh's, and, um, like, when they did, like, Suez Falls, South Dakota, and the first, like, those seem to be the shows that get, like, the m- most interesting set list to me for some reason. And you think that's intentional? Like, Lars is trying to pull out some more interesting stuff because yeah, they haven't like, been Yeah, we haven't been, so been here, so we're going to give you a little bit more of a hat tip or something. You know, like, you know, Raleigh got, what, through the, well, through the never, but they got Confusion. You know, and then they got yep. Fight Fire. and yep. Birmingham got Dream No More. Dream No More. Yeah, that, that, they seem to be the cities that get that extra hardwired song. I got to say, though, you got in Cincinnati, you got Ride the Lightning and Fight Fire. That is War, true. Right? So, that is true. Can't, I'm not complaining. Those were some of the, you know, that was, seeing Ride the Lightning was exciting. Yeah, but if there was one song yet that I have not seen, even counting the songs that have not been played on hardwired, Dream No More is the song I'm most wanting to hear still from this from the new album yeah and i've yet to get to see well I, I i hope this isn't me rubbing it in i hope it just makes you more excited but it's real real goddamn good i figured and it's really heavy <laughs> it's so awesome if That's you see what I'm that thinking. if you see that purple snake bite you know it's coming so i keep thinking like louisville they haven't been to louisville since oh four Ooh, maybe, louisville may, yeah yeah louisville had been oh four maybe maybe it'll be a long enough show that they'll decide to throw it out there well, we can make a sacrifice to the metal gods for you, and uh, that's what I'm going to do, or to Cthulhu or something. See if it happens. <laughs> so what's so? Uh, you know, nothing else matters in Sandman. We know it's coming. Mm-hmm. I still don't get tired of it. How do you feel about those two songs? I don't either. I don't get tired of them either. I'm actually, I'm still singing along, kind of into it till the end. I stay yeah. into it. You know, I'm into it till the end. Yeah, me too. Did uh were were you close enough to try to get any picks or anything at the end? I wasn't quite close enough for the show. Cincy, I was. I got a Cincy pick. You know what? No one's really done yet that I've heard on the Metal Tales. No one's really described what happens after the show. So, oh, you've God. seen this several times. Maybe walk us through kind of uh, walk us through what happens after Sandman. You know, they they kind of say their goodbyes, and James usually the picks James usually throws are just the ones off the mic stands. He doesn't throw very many. He doesn't throw very. He usually is the one that's kind of seems to be in charge of emptying out the mic stands. Right. Lars, Lars is being Lars. He's usually for a while. He disappears down there, hanging out with the fans. Seems on the on the rail, the rail, and giving out drumsticks and stuff like that. And then he magically, that's what we were saying last night. Like, good God, Lars disappeared for like ten minutes. Like, well, Lars must have said, "Screw, it, I'm going home." Right. Then he then he magically reappears. And then yeah, Kirk and Rob or Kirk and Rob get those. Dixie cups full of picks and they're 
I mean, if you're anywhere even relatively close to the stage, you have a very good shot, even if you're in seats of getting a pick. They throw they throw probably hundreds. Oh, easily. Because you're right, they have those like red solo cups that are completely full, and they're just spraying. And they get, you know, three or four of them a piece easily. Yeah, right. And yeah. Rob Rob's got an arm on him; he can throw <laughs> yeah. them up pretty good too. <laughs> he does throw them pretty damn far. And that's yeah, that's the one time when you know, like I said, the memory remains kind of brings everybody together. When those picks start getting tossed, it's some people make that like every man for themselves. Some people I've seen some people at certain shows kind of jumping over other people just tr- crazy shit trying to get picks i didn't realize how weird it gets after a show after a show yeah. during a show everyone's pretty respectful and chill and they're yeah. acting yeah. like human beings after though when they're throwing the picks they don't give a fuck and they will no. it gets a little pushy it's weird yeah. on the floor yeah on the floor it's like that on in the seats seats i would say is not quite as bad but you still gotta be paying attention because if someone sees it and you don't don't think that they're not going to climb over your chair just to take it from you right Right. I kind of feel like, you know what? You can have it, dude. Don't kill yeah. me to get it. It's a pick. It's a guitar pick. Yes. Um, so how would you rate the Cleveland show so far in your in your journey through the World Wired tour? How would I rate it? Yeah, I mean, like, is it, is it uh, you know, the set list, the set list wasn't as adventurous. Although I, I, I'm going to harken back and say get, getting Rome is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, Rome's always cool. Absolutely, uh, but nothing really, nothing like insane. There's no no uh, no leaf clover, no unforgiven three happening. No. Obviously, no. I mean, I'd say show overall, just like any of their shows, is a ten. Yeah, they killed it. It was amazing. Totally. Yeah. Now set list. If I had to do it on a set list, that number may be a little bit lower, just because of what you said. Right. But I mean, overall, it's metallic is in the room. Totally. Well, it that's it a don't good matter. Point. They could come out there and play Inner Sandman eighteen songs straight may get a little monotonous after a while but you're still going to be like fuck it here we go again <laughs> 12th time let's do it again it's metallica well yeah, what are we going to do go home if they're going to play yeah. it 10 times i'm going to watch all 10 of them i'm gonna watch 10 times maybe they'll do something different <laughs> maybe they're just trying to see who's going to stick around yeah maybe it's a big like government psychological experiment and they're going to like metallica's coming to your town to play inner sandman as long as it takes to empty that arena yeah but then once you leave they're going to play disposable heroes Exactly. For the first time in 20 years. Yeah, they're going to play Fixer. You know that's probably coming at some point. They're going to spring it on us somewhere. It's going to happen to some lucky group of people, man. That's what me and my buddy were talking about when we were driving back today was, you know, how they're wanting to go on for, you know, as long as they possibly can. You know, I was thinking like 10 years down the road. Yeah. I mean, would they still be able to do a blackened and stuff like that? Or will they start exploring maybe a little bit more of that 90s stuff that's a little bit more Right, out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit more laid back so they don't have to do battery and blackened and four horsemen. It would be smart. It'd be smart for them to go ahead and start making the slow groove, load, reload era stuff staples so that they can ride out their days playing those tunes. Yeah. I mean, they can still throw those in there, but that way they don't have to just stick to them you know yeah. just start playing some stuff because there's going trust me there's just going there's just the many people out there that would be stoked to hear those songs as battery man maybe not as many but there's going to be a lot well i know that it would at least be me you and your brother oh absolutely well dude thank you so much for taking the time to come and tell us about the show thank you for being a patron thank you for coming to the party 
you know, this Metallica family stuff is taking on a life of its own. It's such a cool thing to be a part of. And absolutely, you know, you're as much a part of it as anyone. So we really appreciate you, dude. Thank you for coming. I appreciate you guys and everything you do, how you guys have helped bring a community together even more. Now with your parties, actually being able to actually be able to put faces to names, actually meeting people, you know, that wasn't really available a lot of ways before just, through the forums and stuff like that, you guys have opened up a whole new way of probably making new friendships. That a lot of them will probably last forever now. Well, that's what we aim to do. We're changing lives. Yeah. That's what we aim changing to do. Changing lives. <laughs> All right, Zach. Thanks so much, dude. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more! After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion Festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in north dakota somewhere we want to hear from you since ethan and i started metal up your podcast we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories well this is it to make yourself eligible for a future or past metal tales episode please consider joining us on patreon for five dollars a month you not only get to come on the show as a guest you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. (laughs) 